Good morning, everyone. How many love Jesus? Love him. What's up, Maple Grove? How many love Jesus in Maple Grove? Woo! There we go. I can hear you from here. It's good to be in church today. It's a great weekend. It's an opportunity for us to be together. We need each other, don't we? In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. It's kind of a cool season of time where we... At this time of year, people have been going to apple orchards and decorating their houses, and there's the usual array of scary movies at this time of year. And uh, I'm watching all these yards that are decorated with different things this time of year. People really get into it here. Um, of course, there's also the real life scary m movies called American Politics. Hello. <laughs> and those are real life scary movies that we're dealing with where they have dark, sinister attack ads with doomsday music and pumped into all the channels that warn if one candidate or another is elected, the apocalyptic ending will be upon us. But friends, we don't need to be worried about that, do we? We don't need to worry. If you're following Jesus, you're okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, on October 31st, there's going to be a whole bunch of kids young and old kids dressing up in costumes and Minnesotans and we'll see Halloween is kind of a fun time of year. And, and of course, on the platform behind me, we have some various uh, costumes and uh, anybody know who this is? That's Iron Man, yeah, okay. And who's this? Anybody know who this is? Wow, Elsa. And then who's this big guy back here? Chewy, the ultimate. Of course, I know that our, our women's ministry, their Christmas event has got the Chewbacca mom coming from this viral video where she got a mask and you know, all the chewy sounds are coming out of a Chewbacca. These are all representations of superheroes or people that do something that we kind of, we pay for, we want to see, we may want to be a part of our life. And, uh, you know, as we come into a time like Halloween every year, may, people in churches have had a dilemma during this season. How do we participate during this event? Some churches have taught that you can't say anything about Halloween because of pagan origins on Halloween. Of course, there are some Christian religious parts of Halloween as well. It's known as All Hallows' Eve, which was the day before All Saints' Day, where they would honor great saints in the church and the history. But because of the overlap of time and the different practices of people around the world, there's a lot of confusion, and people wonder whether or not they should participate or all, at all. And kids are dressing up as Minnesota Vikings or superheroes or rabbit, uh, robots or um, maybe some are even in evil uniforms. But I don't think that God has a problem personally. I don't personally have a problem with Goldie Gopher, uh, the, the Gopher's mascot, uh, or Crunch from the Timberwolves. Uh, I don't think there's in, anything inherently evil about that. But why, why are we drawn to superheroes in the first place? And as I was thinking about this weekend, there was an excellent chance and opportunity for us to just think about us as people and how we view the world and 
You know, this year in 2016, out of the top 20 movies, the majority of movies are either are supernatural heroes or they have some kind of galactic powers or they're really good at stuff that we're not ever going to be good at, like Jason Bourne or something like that. And, uh, you know, people have spent a lot of money. Captain America, the number one movie of the year so far, has raised $1.1 billion worldwide, people watching Captain America. And I think this is, this is something that I've paused and I've considered about and thought about for us. Is it something in us, in you and me, in everyone, there's something in us that dreams of someday being transformed. That we're dissatisfied with our status in some ways and we desire to get out and to break through. And so we go into a movie and we can sit and we can watch something or click it on our phone or whatever. And for two hours, we begin to imagine something seeing someone else who's transformed. And there's hope in our heart that we too could break out of maybe the status that we're in. We might want to be in Star Wars for a little bit or in the Jason Bourne movie, or maybe you want to be Katniss from the Hunger Games or something like that. And while you're in it, you're in that movie, there's a part of you that connects with something on the screen. There's something in you that wants what they have. Perhaps you want the romance in your own life that you see on the screen. And it's the place where we realize when we walk out the doors, where we realize it's not gonna come from within. The change comes from without and we're longing for it. That's why people wanna get into it. That's why they're interested in it in the first place. But listen, as people who have gone to AA and found ways to overcome their alcohol addiction, and they get to their step number two and they say, we've come to believe that there's a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. There's something in every person that realizes I need something outside me to transform me. And there will never be a greater power to transform us than Jesus. He walks into our lives and he says, come follow me. And he transforms us from the inside out. Last night, uh, our family was with some friends and there was a whole bunch of pumpkins and they were carving up pumpkins. How many of you have carved pumpkins? And, uh, and so it's, it's a fun process to watch. There are a bunch of teenagers there and, and others and you know, they're cutting the top and they get the top off of the pumpkin and then they go inside and they take all the junk out of it and, and then they begin to carve things and we had all kinds of different uh, uh, templates of, of different faces. We had, we, had, we had a logo, the Jumpman logo from Nike uh, was one. We had uh, a Starbucks logo, somebody that was pretty intricate put in. There was a normal face, a, a goofy face. Um, and, and I was watching that, and I thought, you know, as I was watching, I was thinking about, you know, in some ways, the way that God transforms us is like carving a pumpkin. What he does is he goes and he picks us up from the patch. He washes all the dirt off of us. He cuts off the top, scoops out all the yucky stuff, <laughs> removes the seeds of doubt, hatred, and greed, and then he carves a new smiley face. And he puts a light inside of us to shine to the world around us. Can I get it, amen? <laughs> it's kind of how he does things. I grew up in an era in the church world as a kid that I remember when the church was uh, kind of protesting the Smurfs. Anybody ever heard of the Smurfs? 
little blue guys. And I like the Smurf. I like Papa Smurf, I think, if I remember right. I don't remember all the names. And then there was kind of this controversy that somehow those little Smurfs were demons or whatever. And uh, the church protested against it. And I remember uh, saying to my mom and dad, what's the big deal? And, you know, I think when it comes to culture wars in the church and when we talk about things, I think the people outside of the church often look at us and they go, what's the big deal? And they wonder why, why do you have a hang up about this? Why do you care about this? And I would just say, you know, it's not just the Smurfs, it's gone on from thing to thing. It could be Harry Potter, it could be Pokemon, anything that chants up spirits. And by the way, the church has had legitimate reason to be concerned about what they let their kids have in their life and not have in their life. That should be the parent's prerogative, right? But there has also been something that's happened as we have uh, guarded our hearts and watched what we did is sometimes our values have been used like a Bible value to beat people around us over the head. And the people don't understand the why. They don't understand why do you have a value like that? Why do you protect yourself? So I want to talk a little bit about that today because I know that most of our society has now grown up in a worldview, uh, a culture that has values and morals and beliefs that were not based on the Bible. In fact, uh, the statistics say that most of the generation that's alive, 35 and under, for example, have grown up and they don't have the same biblical worldview, the rights and the wrongs. It's actually been different. They've grown up and they're a generation that's made right and wrong a personal opinion. And so now all of the people alive, it's whatever you believe is right and whatever you believe is wrong. And as the book of Judges said, each did what was right in their own eyes. In fact, uh, one of my colleagues back uh, from my North Central days, Dr. Jolene Erlocker, who's now a, an expert on the millennial generation, she's written a book on it, she was talking about the people that have been raised today have been raised more like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in Babylon. That these are kids raised in Babylon. Their experiences are different. What's on TV? What's in the media? What rights and wrongs are? The kids that are being raised today, they don't have biblical values. And some of you, you're, you're older and you didn't have a, a biblical lens to look through. No one trained you. And so you're looking at things and you're going, what's a big deal and what's not a big deal? And why do church people do some things and not other things? And people... Uh, as we have grown, we may, may wonder whether or not we're the real weirdos and everybody else is normal, right? And that's a question in the back of our heads. We're wondering what's going on. And listen, I don't think, I don't think that Jesus is mad at millennials. Hello. And I don't think he's angry with people who are celebrating with friends and family during Halloween. In fact, I think that Jesus designed the gospel in such a way as it would work in places that didn't have a biblical worldview. Places like the city of Corinth, in which Paul wrote 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Corinth was a city of pagan gods and deviant sexual practices and corrupted values. And Paul wrote to the church of Jesus Christ that was learning to walk in the light that Jesus had brought to the darkness. In other words, those people, as they, they grew up and their normal around them was not Jesus normal, they get saved, and now Paul is teaching them how to walk the biblical way. 
and they were learning and growing in their faith. They made progress. And friends, God doesn't expect perfection. He wants progress. And you need to understand that in this room, in both of our campuses, and those that maybe even watch online, that no matter what your background is, God does not expect you to be perfect, but he is hoping for progress in your life. And when we come into these moments where we're trying to decide what's right versus wrong, our hearts need to understand that we're not gonna remain where we are as we grow in Christ. We are going to grow into what he's called us to be. Today, my hope is to challenge the long-term and mature Christian to abandon a judgmental or pharisaical attitude towards people who don't think like you. Whether they see the world different politically or socially, you need to know that Jesus is the one that's at work in their life. And if you have certain convictions and boundaries regarding faith and behavior, I encourage you, live it out humbly without judging. The Spirit is the one that Jesus said would convict the world of sin, not you. We have to be clear about that as we relate to those who are growing up in Babylon. Can I get an amen? I also want to challenge my friends who didn't grow up with a biblical worldview. You might be confused by the rules and the practices of people who are in the church. You might pause and say, why don't you do this and why don't you do that? You might even say, what's the big deal? Please listen to me. I am not preaching to you wanting you to become a legalist, finger-pointing, people-hating, self-righteous hater. That's not my goal. I do want all of us to pause and to take a fresh look at God's word and say, Lord, what are you saying to me, not to everyone else, what are you saying to me in 2016? How can I help raise my kids to know you better and live in a world that does not follow Jesus? How can I honor God and love people in my life? How can I live in this world but not of this world? world. I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18 with me. Deuteronomy chapter 18. And by the way, if you aren't taking notes yet, I hope you do from this point on, because I'm going to give you a few things I want you to chew on this week, think about, and let it be something you ponder. What is the big deal with God? For him, it's who is transforming you. He's concerned with who you're allowing to transform you. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, we find that God is beginning to speak to the people of Israel. They're going to go into the promised land, and this land that they go into has people that did not have a biblical worldview. And as they went in, God was warning them ahead of time of things that were boundaries that he did not want them to lose sight of. You see, the people of Israel, when, when they were in Egypt, they served the other uh, customs of Egypt. And God took them out of Egypt into the desert. And while they were in the desert, God began to show them a better way. Their thinking began to change. Their lifestyles began to change. Their worship began to change. Now God was taking them out of that place of growth and development and planting them back into a place where there was no biblical worldview. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 9 when you arrive in the land the Lord God is giving you be careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there for example never sacrifice your son or daughters as a burnt offering 
And do not let your people practice fortune telling or sorcery or allow them to interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is an object of horror and disgust to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The people you are about to displace consult with sorcerers and fortune tellers. But the Lord your God forbids you to such things. Wow, that's pretty straightforward. And he declares what's okay and what's not okay. And there were people back in those days, and there still are today, that go to other sources for guidance, for power, or friendship that God said you cannot go to. And I want you to know that when God declares a law, it's not because he hates people or that he's a killjoy, but there's a reason behind his laws. There's a purpose, a precept behind his laws. And the precept of this passage is don't participate in spiritual sorcery. God was being very clear. I do not want you participating in spiritual sorcery. God says don't. We might think, what's the big deal? It's just a movie. It's a cartoon. It's a children's book. But he deals very specifically with a list of things his people cannot participate in. Fortune telling, sorcery, interpreting omens, witchcraft, casting spells, mediums or psychics, or calling spirits up from the dead. So what is the principle behind this? There's two parts to this principle that I want you to catch. The first is this. There are only two sides to the spirit world, God's and Satan's. In other words, God was declaring there's only two sides and I don't want you on the other side. Exodus 23, 25, you must serve only the Lord your God. Joshua 24, 15, but if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And if you think it's just an Old Testament thing, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. Now, why is God concerned about that? The well, second part of that precept is this. God's desire is that we love and serve him only. See, it's not just that he wants to stop behavior. He wants us to connect with him. And there are obstacles to that. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in fact, turn there in the New Testament, if you would. Go there on your electronic Bibles or your paper Bibles. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul is speaking to the city of Corinth and Christians or people that are attempting to follow Jesus. And they don't really know what's okay and what's not okay. And he begins to give direction, much like we heard in Deuteronomy, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 19. What am I trying to say, Paul says? Am I saying that the idols to whom the pagans bring sacrifices are real gods and that these sacrifices are of some value? No, not at all. What I'm saying is that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want any of you to be partners with demons. 
You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. What? Do you dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy as Israel did? Do, you, do we think that we are stronger than he is? Wow. Paul is saying, okay, you're going to other sources. And of course in Corinth, they had multiple gods. And they would go to one God for one need and another God for another need. If they wanted to get pregnant, they went to the God that was the fertility God. If they had a dispute with someone and any peace in the family, they went to another God. And they would go from God to God to God, okay? That's where they got their resolution for that area of need. And God says, I don't want you to go to those things and become idols. And idols are, 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 are substitutes for relationship with God. Now, I am not saying today that the people, these uniforms on the platform are idols, but they can become idols. They can become replacements for us going to God for our strength. The possibility exists, and we must be aware of that. Paul uses very strong language. He says there's demons that are involved. And I am not saying it about superheroes today here, but I want you to know that there is the possibility that the idols in the land that you grew up in could have demons behind them. Now, I'm not one of those guys that grew up, I heard people like proclaiming demons in every Coke machine, you know? Everything was a demon. We don't need to glorify demons, hello. We glorify Jesus. But when we look at our own lives, we need to recognize there's the potential that whatever we're going to for our source and our hope and our strength may not be connected to God, it could be connected to another source. We face a very real enemy. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And then Ephesians, Paul says something. I want you to write down this passage. Ephesians 4, 27. Paul tells the, the people of Ephesus, do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, don't give him an opening. How many of you have ever been behind somebody and you wanted to get into a building and you knew the building was locked and you didn't have the key? And you're chasing behind the person that's opening the door because you want to get your foot in the door so that you can get inside. Anybody ever done that before? You're chasing it down. What Paul is saying is, is that there are doorways into our life that the enemy wants to use. And he says, do not give a opening in the doorway of your life for the enemy to come in to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to get that foot in the door. Some of the doors in our life that we can allow the enemy to have influence with us are the door of sin. When we sin and we willfully sin, we allow the enemy in the door. The door of fear can be a doorway that the enemy works his way in. And then the door of the occult is what I'm talking about from Deuteronomy and 1 Corinthians today. The door of the occult. The occult is faith in anything supernatural outside of God. In Central America and Africa and South America, they're much more aware of this. If you go to South America or you go to Africa, you would discover that there are witch doctors in towns and they're aware of the supernatural that's out there. It's the occult. But it's kind of secretive the way it's slipped its way into American culture. We don't think of witch doctors on every corner in our towns. 
But there's a subtle way. We have people that are encouraging others to play Ouija boards and consult the spirit dimension on the other side. Or mediums are used as entertainment for corporate gatherings where people try to consult the dead. As simple as astrology or palm reading can be a door that is cracked open for the enemy to come and work. It's a door into another world and it can be seen through symbols and jewelry and people receive jewelry. I know people that have gone and been a part of ministry in Haiti and there's much occult activity there in Haiti and and people will come back and trinkets and and uh, uh, symbols on rings and jewelry can be attachments to the enemy. And I'm just telling you, that's the real deal. It's that that's really happens with people. And it works its way in. But it's not just that. It's also through other means. And this is where I want you to catch today. There's just a few, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, that at this church we had the Argentine revivalist come to Emmanuel. And uh, there was a major revival going on in Argentina and South America. And um, we had these revivalists in. And uh, one night, we had a guy named Carlos Anacondia. Carlos was used as an evangelist in stadiums, hundreds of thousands of people throughout South America. And he would come into the stadiums and be used of God. In fact, he's got a book called Listen to Me, Satan. Because at the beginning of every crusade, before he preached the word, he would get up and he would say, listen to me, Satan. And he'd take control over all the power of hell itself. He declared Jesus to be Lord in the room. And of course, it, it was a lot of activity in, that, in, in, in those stadiums and a lot of people were getting deliverance. And by the way, you look at the New Testament, you see Jesus everywhere he went, he was setting people free from demonic activity and healing the sick. And so the gospel of Jesus is meant to go into those worlds, right? Well, he talked about some things with our staff. We had a staff meeting the next day and we got to ask questions and one, one of the staff asked him, he said, Carlos, what, was the, what were some of the unusual things that you've seen in stadiums? And he said, well, you know, we've, we've had these uh, deliverance tents right next to the stadium where when demonic activity would kind of come up, we would take people quietly into the deliverance tent where we would pray and we would cast demons out, but we would say, Holy Spirit, now come in. We wouldn't just cast the demon out. You want them filled with Jesus and filled with the Spirit of God, Amen. And he said, so they would come in. He said, but one time I was ushered to the tent because there was somebody that nobody could, could pray through. And there's a guy and he was out of control and he was forming all of these body figurine things. And it was just really weird. And he was hissing at them. And, and so he said, when, when I uh, got there, I took authority again and the guy was quiet and we started talking. And he said, it took a while, but I asked the question. I said, so tell me what you are. And he was deformed, different animals and lions and serpents. And, and he said, and he got to the story. He said, well, when I was a teenager, this is tell you the era of time that he was in. He said, when I was a teenager, I would, I would sit and watch Bruce Lee movies. Bruce Lee was a martial arts guy and really cool, um, doing a lot of martial arts stuff. He said, but I, I became obsessed with Bruce Lee movies. And so I became so obsessed with them that I wanted to do the moves that Bruce Lee was doing. And then he said this, he said, then I wanted to get trained in the martial arts that he was in. 
And in the martial arts training that he had, they, they, they learned to take on the form of different animals. And he said, I didn't realize it, but by going so obsessively into that, that I was also inviting demons into my life. So this guy is completely set free, but looking back, he can see the opening. And he said, I would learn different chants and different things that I had to do to form a different thing. And it was a, a powerful deliverance when Carlos came and set him free from that. But I listened to that story and I've never forgotten it because all these years later, I recognize that the enemy tries to medicate us and thinking it's no big deal. And I wonder if kind of the proliferation of supernatural stuff that our children now get to look at or, or we've observed and watched over time, not everyone ends up being demon-possessed from those things, but there are some of our kids that become obsessed with one character or they become obsessed with one type of thing and, and then they get all the way in and they begin to go to that superhero for their transformation and then the enemy goes in to steal, kill, and destroy. You could just list in your own life some of the things that you know and I'm not saying today that everyone does this, but there are many people that through other means and they don't know why, but they've opened the door to fear. And insomnia has come in and reoccurring nightmares and sicknesses that have no natural cause and fits of rage and hearing of voices and movement of objects in their homes or deep bitterness and hate and depression and no natural cause and homicidal or even suicidal thoughts pop in. And here's how it breaks down. If we serve God and we merely dabble in our minds with chants and listening to spirit guides, eventually when we hit a wall, we'll be faced with a crossroad. Will we go to God or will we go to those things that we've been transformed with in our normal everyday life? And God, the one true God, wants us to only run to him. He's the one that can set us free. Can I get an amen? See, God wants to be the transforming agent in your life, the only one. He wants to help you with your frustration. And we can get caught into the occult and not even know it. It's like, like a spider web where we're caught and we can't break free on our own. We need Jesus Christ to set us free. And of course, Jesus said in John 8 that if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Jesus is dedicated to bringing spiritual freedom to those who are oppressed and harassed by the devil. I have good news for you today that Jesus is not interested in you being caught up in the web that the enemy wants to weave for you. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, stands up in the temple and he quotes from Isaiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that f captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the, the time of the Lord's favor has come. Amen. And then you move on and you see in the church of Jesus Christ as they were preaching in Acts chapter 10 about Jesus. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. 
Of course, in Matthew chapter 8, that evening when many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command and he healed all the sick. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is God is very clear who we may worship, that there is no such thing as white or good witches. Who you let transform you will determine your destiny. Now, there is a pathway to spiritual freedom. This is where I want you to take notes. I'm just going to give you six quick things, okay? Six quick ways to spiritual freedom, to live in it and to get in it. The first is this, recognize before God the areas in which we've strayed from his path for our lives. Is there a way you've gotten off? Is there a door that's been open? Have you let something in? Recognize it. Secondly, renounce that. Renounce our mistakes, our sins, perhaps curses that have been put on us or we've cursed others. And we need to close that door through confession, through renouncing. Even doors that we might have opened through ignorance. We didn't realize what we were doing. Someone else got us caught up into something. We renounce our mistakes. And by the way, when it comes to confession, confession is speaking the same thing to God is what he already sees in us. He already sees it, but when you confess, you give him an opportunity to come and take it out of you. It's like the umbilical cord to the baby inside the mom where all the junk goes out and all the good stuff comes back in. Come on. Third, declare your faith in Jesus and in his power to give you abundant life and freedom. Declare Jesus is Lord. Fourth, receive freedom from all oppression of the enemy. In other words, if Jesus opens the prison doors, walk out the door. Don't stay in the stuff that you are in. Fifth, Thank God for his freedom and surrender your life entirely to him. Thank him and run to him and you will not be under the spell or the control of the enemy himself. And six, and this is one I added the first service didn't get. Sixth one is this, testify out loud what God has done for you. Revelation 12, 11, for they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And What? It's the spoken word. It's saying it out loud. Devil, you don't owe me anymore. And it's saying, I am free. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. James 4, 7, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Put your notes down, your Bibles down, your faces look up here. Church, I know this. It can get dark as it wants to get outside, and I don't need to worry. I don't think the Lord is biting his nails over who's going to win the presidential election. The sun's going to come out the next day. I'm more safe when I'm with Jesus. I'm safe when I'm with him. But if I catch myself being full of fear, it could be because I'm not going to him anymore and I've opened the door to something else. And I'm saying this, close the door. Close the openings and make sure that you're receiving from Christ all that he has for you. And you're looking to him as the source, or as the scripture says, the author and the finisher of our faith.
Let him be the one you run to. And when you recognize the enemy trying to come in, listen, he's trying to get in. And maybe, you know, you're a Christian and you, Jesus is the Lord of your house, but there are times that you've rented a room to the enemy. You need to kick him out. You need to evict the enemy. And there might be areas of your life that you're letting him in. But you don't understand, Pastor Nate, I love that video game thing I'm doing. But it may have become an open door and you didn't even realize it. And it's the very thing that plunges you back into darkness or it could be pornography or it could be some other activity that you've been involved in. That thing you like to do, that thing you like to watch, if it becomes your idol, you're in trouble. I feel like I'm starting to preach just a little bit now. All I'm saying is this, I don't wanna glorify the enemy. I wanna recognize when the enemy's open, walking through an open door, I wanna boot him out and I want to close the door and I wanna say, thank you, Jesus, that you're there for me. You're my superhero. You're my supernatural. You're my one that gets me out of what I'm in. You're my hope. You're my peace. I don't have to give in to the fear that's coming around me. I don't have to leave the door open. I'm going to shut the door and keep the devil out. And I'm going to let Jesus be my Lord and my Savior. As for me, Joshua said, in my house, we will serve the Lord. Parents, parents, listen to me. You have a responsibility for what you allow in your child's mind. We are in a new era when kids can watch whatever they want in the bathroom with the door closed on their phone. They can watch and go wherever they want to go. And if you feel guilty because you're telling your kid no, they can't do something, get over the guilt because you are responsible for their soul. And as long as they're in your house and you pay the bill, you own the phone. You tell them what they can and can't watch. Teenagers, listen to me. I know there's no teenagers in the house right now. When people are kind of saying, hey, check out this new app. Go watch this video or go do this thing. And they go, it's no big deal, it's just a show. It's no big deal, kids are just doing, it's just a phase. You be careful about what door you're opening. Because I know there are adults in this room that when they were teenagers, they opened doors that they deeply regret today. Don't open the door. Don't open the door. And the other side of this is the equation is this. There's only two dimensions to the spirit. So we can talk about the darkness and how the darkness does different things and it has a certain power. But did you know how much bigger the power of God is? And when we invite the supernatural, and we, you don't understand who you're inviting into your bedroom when you call upon the God of heaven and earth, the one who created it all, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. When you are inviting him, you're inviting the supernatural in. Don't replace the supernatural with a TV show. Don't get medicated on other things so much that you're numb, that you are a Christian without the supernatural power of God. Maybe we need to shut some things off, pause, and let the supernatural really be our transforming power. Perhaps then we'll see God move in our lives. Can I get an amen? 
I am confident. I am confident that there is no one under the sound of my voice that has a supernatural dark power working in our life that God is not stronger than. So if you're sitting there and the enemy's lying to you and saying that you can't get out of this, I got you, you've been doing this for years, that somehow fear comes inside of you and you, you think that you're stuck and you're gonna be in depression for the rest of your life, I have good news for you. Jesus takes joy in setting the prisoner free. He is not done with you yet. Turn to Jesus and let him set you free. Turn to him. Would you stand with me? Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm gonna ask the question right up front right now. Just close your eyes in here. I wanna ask the question, how many of you in here right now, you know, you know, you know, you need to turn to Jesus. Maybe you've walked away from God, you trusted in other powers, but you need to turn in your heart and you need to let Jesus be your transforming power. Maybe you're never giving your life to Christ or perhaps you're a backslider. You walked away from God and you need to come back to him. Right now is your time. I'm not gonna waste any time. I'm just gonna get right to the point. If you're here and you need to give your life to Jesus or come back to him, put your hand right up in the air and say, that's me, Pastor Nate. I need to turn to Jesus today on the balcony, the main floor. Yes, 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 yes. I'm just gonna pray. And I want you to pray this prayer after me. Jesus is gonna hear you. He knows you. You don't need to feel guilty. He changes you from the inside out. But I want you to pray this prayer out loud and everybody else join her in and say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you came to the earth, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for my sin. You went into hell, snatched the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and you came back to life. And I know you're alive. Today, I surrender to you. I give up running my own life. I renounce all other powers. And I choose you to be my Lord. Change me from the inside out. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise in the house. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Now I want to do something. If you gave your life to Jesus, you are covered by the blood of Jesus. There's no power from hell that's stronger than Jesus' blood. You run to Jesus when you're in fear. You run to Jesus when you mess up. When you fall back down, it's not confirmation that you're a loser. It's an opportunity to go right back to the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. He loves you with an everlasting love. Don't believe any lie that says that you've done too many things, that God doesn't love me anymore. You keep running. You keep going after God. And don't go halfway. You go all the way get all the bible you can read pray all you can follow people that know jesus and you go all the way in there is no halfway world in following jesus you can't have one foot in the world and one foot following jesus because your feet will split your body apart you got to turn and say i'm going to follow jesus i'm going to follow whatever it takes i'm going after him can i get an amen you follow him